again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Last weekend, uh, if you were here, we introduced the theme for 2021, and the theme for the entire year is going to be abundant joy in Christ. And it comes from that Bible verse in 1 Peter 1.8 that says, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him this very moment, you believe in him. And the idea is that because you love him and because you believe in him, you are filled with what the Bible calls an inexpressible and glorious joy. There's something about a true believer that God places a joy inside of you that is beyond description. The rest of the world is drowning in despair, but you as a believer have this calm this assurance, this peace, this joy that is inexpressible. It's difficult to even explain, but you know you have it and you know it comes from God. But today we start this series called Invincible Joy. The logo uh, for this series is on the front of your bulletin. Now, invincible joy is different than inexpressible joy. Inexpressible joy is joy that is beyond description. Invincible joy is a joy that cannot be defeated. And we're going to see that over the course of these next few weeks. Oh, it's easy to be happy and joyful when the storms are calm. But it's difficult to be joyful when the seas are rough and the budget is tight and the bills are high. And your health turns bad. And culture is upside down. And the country is divided. And relationships go sour. And your boss is unreasonable. But biblical joy, true joy, is not based on circumstances. It's based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Difficult circumstances are inevitable, but joy is invincible. I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. You're going to need your Bibles today. And uh, there's a story in there in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and 6. Those two chapters together, it's a very lengthy and complicated story. It all runs together. I suppose it would take us about a two-hour Bible study, just sitting down with our Bibles to study those two chapters. Well, we certainly don't have that time here this morning to look at it in detail, but in this story, there are some critical and pertinent truths. When studied, you will discover that true worship is synonymous with true joy. I want to explain that to you today. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 5, after a long and terrible feud with Saul, David finally becomes the king over Israel, fulfilling God's role and plan for his life. When you look at chapter 5, what we see is that David conquers Jerusalem and he makes Jerusalem the capital city for the nation of Israel. This took place about a thousand years before Christ. So this story we're looking at took place about 3,000 years ago. David conquers Jerusalem. He makes it the capital city of Jerusalem. And then in chapter 5, David defeats the Philistines, which were the enemies of God, with an enormous military victory. And if you read chapter 5, everything's going great for David. I mean, it's all sunshine and roses in chapter 5. And so it makes sense when you come to chapter 6 that David decides to have a grand celebration. And central to the celebration is the act of moving the Ark of the Covenant back to the new city, the the capital city, Jerusalem. Now, what is the Ark of the Covenant? Well, I have a picture of what it could have looked like. We've had sermons on this before. The Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box that was layered in gold. It was only four feet long. It was two feet wide and two feet high. And inside it contained several objects, one of which were the Ten Commandments that were written in stone, etched in stone. But most importantly about this box, this Ark of the Covenant, it represented the presence of God. It's where they thought God lived, inside that box. And for that reason, no one uh, could ever touch it. It was the most sacred object on the face of the entire earth. If anyone ever touched it, they were struck dead. It was supposed to be carried, if you look at the picture, it has those poles. The priest were supposed to pick up those poles so no one would touch the box, and they would carry those poles on the shoulders of the priest. So let's go back to our story in 2 Samuel 5 and 6. After David defeats the Philistines who had stolen the ark, he decides to bring it back to Jerusalem where it belongs. Let's all give David a hand for doing that. So David organizes a worship parade, a worship celebration. He gathered 30,000 people for this parade. And in the course of the celebration, David put the ark on a cart. Remember, it was supposed to be carried by the priest. But he put it on an ark, uh, on a cart, and the oxen carried the, the cart pulled the cart, and somewhere along the road, it hit a rock or a rut, or the the road was slanted, that Ark of the Covenant began to fall. And uh, a man named Uzzah, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, you can read it for yourself, a guy named Uzzah, as the Ark begins to fall, he reaches out and he, he touches it, 
and is immediately struck dead. So here at this parade, you've got the Ark of the Covenant, and you've got this guy laying dead right there next to it. It kind of rained on the parade, so to speak. And in this tragedy, we learn something about worship. We learn something about celebration. I had a pastor who once explained to me that there are four quadrants. Everybody say the word quadrant. There are four quadrants of worship. I put them on the back of your bulletin. If you grab your bulletin, look on and just turn it over to the back side. Here are the four quadrants. Quadrant number one, that you worship the wrong God in the wrong way. There's a lot of people doing that. Quadrant number two is you worship the wrong God in the right way. A lot of people doing that. Quadrant number three, you worship the right God, but you worship in the wrong way. Quadrant number four, which is what you want, is you want to worship the right God in the right way. Can someone say amen? Amen. And what we learned from this story was that they were worshiping the right God, but they were worshiping in the wrong way. You see, the Ark of the Covenant, that box, represented the presence of God, but it also represented the holiness of God. And for believers, as we look towards God, there should be this sense of reverence in our worship in our lives, in our hearts. God is not our buddy. God is not, you ever heard this phrase, the big guy upstairs? Like I pray to the big guy upstairs. I've heard people, many people say that. Well, God is not the big guy upstairs. He's certainly not in a box. And I want you to know that we cannot in our worship be like Uzzah and disrespect a holy God. When we enter into the worship service, we should come with clean hearts and clean hands and a sense of awe over the greatness of God and the holiness of God. And I will tell you this, if you come and truly worship God with all of your heart, with all of your heart, and you worship God with a pure heart, with reverence, You will leave with a peace and a sense of joy that is beyond description and no one can take away from you. I have three major points. Here's the first major point. Worship is first and foremost for God. We don't have worship services for you. Worship is for God. That's really why you should get here on time. You ought to be in here about five minutes early warming up your vocal cords. La, 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 la. Getting warmed up for it. Can someone say amen? We worship him for who he is, not for the things that he's done for us. We don't worship God when things are good and when things are bad. I'm not going to go to church. God, God didn't take care of me. I'm not going to go worship him. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are here today worshiping the very same God 
that the Israelites believed lived in that box and that David worshipped. He is, he is just as holy. He is just as omnipotent. He is the creator. He is eternal. Back then, today, 3,000 years from now, the Bible says in Psalm 145 verse 3, great is the Lord and most worthy of our praise. His greatness, no one can fathom. I mean, I can't put my arms around God. I, I, I couldn't ex- you give me the greatest vocabulary of any person living on this earth, I could not adequately explain because no man can even fathom the greatness of God. And here we are with all of our money and all of our cars and all of our brains and all of our beauty and the very best that we can muster. We're just this little tiny, tiny, tiny insignificant in compared to the greatness of God. No one can fathom the greatness of God. Think about God, his steadfast love. His faithfulness endures forever. His provision for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and the other 7, 8 billion people on the face of this earth that God feeds every day. You breathe his air. You drink his water. You you look at things that he has created. He's given you an ability to smell freshly baked bread. His his perfection, His forgiveness, His salvation, His power, His goodness. Have you ever thought about His gentleness in your life? Tim Keller said the worship is seeing what God is worth and then giving Him what He's worth. He is most worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen? Number two, passionate praise produces joy passionate praise produces joy true worship does not produce long-faced bored out of their minds grumpy people you ever come to church and meet a grumpy greeter Oh, you can't sit there. you got to sit over here. <laughs> now, we have great greeters here at the church, but every once in a while I meet a grumpy one. And every once in a while there's a grumpy driver out there in that parking garage. And you might even be sitting next to somebody who's kind of grumpy today. Don't point to them. But you know, honestly, when you come to church and really recognize who you are and the greatness of God and you empty self of everything and you're in here simply to give God praise and to give God glory that he is due, that it just changes you. You can't can't be grumpy and do that. There's something about the joy of the Lord that comes inside of you when you just decide you're going to praise God with everything you have. Amen? David is in this process of bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and this guy named Uzzah reaches out and touches it and is struck dead. That's that's quadrant number three. He was worshiping the right God, but he was worshiping the right God in the wrong way. David then takes a three-month, a three-month time out for three months. He doesn't do anything with the Ark of the Covenant. 
He's trying to figure everything out. Look at verse 11 and 12 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. For how long? For three months. A Gittite. Have you ever met a Gittite? They're a foreigner. That's a foreigner. And somehow the Ark of the Covenant ended up at a foreigner's house for three months. But notice what verse 11 says. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obadiah, Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. And what does that tell you? That's a whole other sermon right there on the, on the subject of grace. That God's grace is for everyone. And all you have to do is invite the presence of God into your household and God will bless your household if you'll invite him in that household. Whether you're an insider or an outsider, it's not about you being on the inside or the outside. It's about whether or not God is on the inside of your household. So then verse 12, now King David was told that the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So after three months, David decides to give it another try. This is called parade number two. The first parade didn't end so well. This time he's going to do, he's going to worship the right God in the right way. And David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. This time, this time, they're not going to put it on a cart pulled by oxen because that's not what the Bible said they were supposed to do. This time, he's going to have the priest actually pick it up, the four of them or the five of them or however many it took, they were going to pick it up and carry it by the poles on the shoulders. Of, this time, he was going to do it the right way. Three things, write them down quickly. Number one, true worship is sacrificial. I'll, I'll show you this. True worship is sacrificial. I want you to get this. Look at verse 13. Is this parade number one or parade number two? Is this quadrant one or is this quadrant three or quadrant four? This is quadrant number four. They're worshiping the right God God in the right way. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. Now, do you know how far it is from, uh, from, from the Gittites house to Jerusalem? Seven miles. That's about the length of the San Fernando Valley. You're down there on Ventura Boulevard with the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to carry it all the way to Porter Ranch. And you got the four priests, and you pick up the Ark of the Covenant. Last time they tried this, someone died because they touched it. Is everybody ready? All right, we're going to rejoice. We're going we're gonna to march the Ark of the Covenant back up there to Jerusalem. This is exciting. The, the Philistines stole this, and we're going to put God's presence back in the city of Jerusalem. Here we go. And they take six steps. One, two, three, four, five. Everybody stop. What did they do after six steps? According to verse 13, when those who were carrying the Ark, the Lord, had taken six steps, they stopped And they sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. 
Now, there's a lot of theology in the Old Testament, sacrificial system. The Israelites were constantly making these animal sacrifices for the atonement of their sins. We know today, of course, that we live in the New Testament, that Jesus Christ eventually goes to the cross, and there He dies once for all time for the sins of all the world. And because Jesus died on that cross for our sins, we no longer have to make those animal sacrifices. Can someone say, thank you, God? But there is an element of divine truth that when we come to worship, that Jesus laid his life on the altar for us. And part of worship is when we come that we lay ourselves on the altar in response to what he's done for us. It, revo- it, revo- it involves sacrifice. I- I'm telling you, to be a Christian, it involves a sacrifice of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. What if, what if, I'm just asking you, what if every six steps you took, you just stopped for a moment to just say, thank you, Lord? What if every six uh, minutes you stopped in a busy day to say, Lord, everything I have comes from you? What if every six hours baked into your schedule was a time for you to say a prayer and to spend some time reading God's Word? What if every six days in a very chaotic world, you put everything aside that you had planned and get to the house of the Lord and simply spend a day worshiping Jehovah God? It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like, for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. 
we know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.